0: Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Liz Cheney out, GOP derangement in. Tony Brinker joins me in studio. Arizona doctor, senator, GOP chair, Kelly Ward joins me tomorrow. Time for you to join America Can We Talk and same kind of different as me. Filmmaker has a new film out today. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned.
1: Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on Earth. America Can We Talk is sponsored by G.C. Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry.
0: Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Many of you likely saw that Liz Cheney was actually removed from her leadership position in the GOP House Caucus in Washington. Her title had been House Republican Conference Chair, third in charge of the Republican Party. I want to disabuse many of you of the ideas you may be hearing that are unfair in terms of what happened to her. Number one, she was not removed just because she disagreed with President Trump on policies of all kind, including military policy. She did disagree with him. Lots of people did. She also was not the only one to vote for impeachment. Nine other Republicans in the U.S. House voted for impeachment. That was not the reason she was removed. And she wasn't removed because she was a woman. So all of you in the left trying to complain that the Republicans pick on women, sorry, untrue. Why she was removed was because after we got ourselves under the Biden administration and we have the House GOP caucus in place, Liz Cheney continued to speak in public, speak publicly and vociferously and angrily about the ideas that number one, there was no election fraud in 2020, that that was entire story was false. And number two, that anyone continuing to talk about it was potentially inciting violence. And number three, and this was the kicker, she declined numerous efforts of other Republicans who said, you are, you are conveying to the American people, that you are speaking on behalf of the Republican Party, or at least other Republican leadership. When you say these things that are so incendiary and many of us disagree with you, and you don't say, I'm speaking as me as an individual, not me as a third in charge Republican Party in Washington, you are causing American people to believe that the GOP caucus itself thinks these ideas. She was stubborn enough stubborn enough to refuse even that she is so determined that there was no election fraud in 2020 i'm not even sure she believes that but she decided to go down that path that you can't that there was no election fraud and that even if there was you can't talk about it anymore because there may be violence at the capitol she made her bed she chose she stayed in that lane she knew this was possibly coming it was more important to her to continue to speak up and denounce the idea of any election fraud in 2020 and to say and therefore nobody else can talk about and in an era when millions of americans have watched the many many anomalies that occurred in the november 2020 elections while we're in the middle of the arizona review of the maricopa county dominion voting machines while other counties are beginning to talk about renewing their views of election of voting machines And she's trying to make a rule for America. We're all done talking about this, can't talk about that. It did not fly with a GOP majority. They did it graciously, they did it privately, they didn't have a big public blast, but they were exactly right in removing her from her leadership position. She chose to continue down this path. She chose to continue to refuse to acknowledge that many Republicans disagree with her, she conveyed to the American people, she was speaking on behalf of the whole GOP caucus, and this is not okay in America. And I'll tell you something else as I wrap up this first five about Liz Cheney. I actually respect some of her views about foreign policy. I'm not saying I agree with them. You could have a lot of disagreements in the Republican party. I am fine with Republicans who support President Trump's views about, about foreign policy. I'm probably more aligned with his views But we need to have robust debate of ideas on every single policy facing this country, whether it is election fraud, whether it is foreign policy, whether it is border security, tax policy. Robust debate of political ideas is where I live, is what I'm all about, that's what the show is all about. This is not about her disagreeing with Trump or the Trump agenda. This is about her unwillingness to be forthcoming and clear when she wanted to continue down the path of talking about her view that there was no election fraud. Also unpopular for the Republican Party, which is trying to support the efforts of some individuals continuing to pursue the issue of election fraud because they want to have election integrity legislation in states around this country and they can't get things done, they can't get state legislators to go along with it if you have a key leader in the Republican Party in Washington denouncing the whole darn concept of election fraud. And my very last point in today's first five is this. I understand that she does not care for President Trump. That's fine, a lot of Republicans don't. I, I didn't support him in the primary. I, I, I think he was an answer to America's needs in the four years he was in, and I think his agenda is home run. His agenda is America's agenda, its home-run American agenda. But Liz Cheney seems to have gotten too caught up in the idea that the entire election fraud issue is about Donald Trump. The issue is not Donald Trump. The issue of election fraud, election integrity, is not about Donald Trump. It's about the future of whether or not we're going to have an election system in this country that actually gives us the honest result of fair elections where only citizens can vote where only citizens who are entitled to vote only get to vote once where states have honest clear voting roles that remove occasionally or on a regular basis names of people who are deceased who moved away whatever their reasons election integrity is a future of america's freedom issue Liz Cheney, in my view, got too caught up in her disdain for President Trump, could not separate that from the issue of election integrity, and really, I don't wish her to be humiliated, I don't wish her to be angry, but she does not belong in the House GOP leadership. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. I said at the start of the show we have a guest in studio always one of my favorite things guest in studio um and i'm just i i really just met her through a mutual friend um and her um activities are kind of a uh, they, they actually they play well with the point i, I make often about america the american left gets political power by telling the american people that their fellow citizens will never help them by pitting americans against each other putting Americans into silos based on race, ethnicity, national origin, gender. And the constant effort of the American left is to divide Americans and to convince Americans that your fellow Americans won't help you, nobody's going to help you, and that what you really need is more government, bigger government, more government control of everything. And this somehow is the only path toward having America solve the problems facing us. What I always tell you is America is overflowing with good, noble, moral people who do the right thing all the time when no one's looking, who are generous, who are kind-hearted? who do things they don't have to do in their lives. They could just live their private lives, go to work, come home, take care of the kids, pay the mortgage and march on the next day. But America is filled in the millions of people who are good, noble people who work very hard to help other people who are just stumbling and struggling in life, to help America's culture and society. And who we have joining us today is one of those people, Tony Brinker. So, Tony, welcome to my show.
1: Oh, I'm delighted to be here.
0: I'm so glad you're here. Okay, well, I, I mentioned before we got on air, you sent me a lot of information. And so I wanna first have you just in a broad way tell our listeners about that you're out. Okay, listeners, we're gonna hear about her philanthropy. That's what I want her to start with. But just basically the organization you founded that is, um, is now, now called One Community USA.
1: But I'd love to just tell the overarching view. Why did you get started doing this? Um, I'll go back to the beginning. That was in 2014. I happened to have been in New York on a a very small street, and I saw TV cameras at either end of the street. At about 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm wondering why people are going up and down the street marching. And in 14, I had never heard, what do you want, dead cops? When do you want them right now? So I actually, that was, my, that was my exact reaction. It was like, good grief, this can't possibly be true. I went, turned on the TV, and sure enough, that is what was being broadcasted. I called, I was in New York now, mind you, I called our mayor and our police chief, called the chief first, and I said to him, his name is David Brown, I said, Chief, I'm up here in New York, this makes no sense to me. People who live in this community, Why is this happening? And oh, by the way, chief, you're a great chief of police of a great city and a great state, even though this is New York. What are you going to do? And he said, what am I going to do? And I said, sure, I'm telling you that there's a problem. I said, I understand we've had Trayvon Martin and I understand that we've had five months of um, Ferguson and all of the residual effects on that. But Chief, you need to get up here and do something about it because I think this is gonna spread all over the United States. And again, he asked me what I was gonna do, and I went, oh, Chief, have no idea, I'll call you back. So I called the mayor, said, Mayor, Tony Brinker, I'm up here, recited the whole thing. He said, well, what are you gonna do? It's like, did you just talk to the police chief? Nope, and I said, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'll call you back. So that is the genesis. It was realizing that we had a problem in the United States and me, a very naive person at that point in my life, thought I've got to figure out what's going on. So I spent the next two and a half years circling the country. And that means by going to underserved communities visiting prisons visiting with police departments visiting all the all the what you would call ghettos that i could find but visiting with people of affluence and also visiting with people who have lived in underserved communities the one thing that i found is that at this point in time in 2014 now through 16 that there was an uneasiness in the country and that racial issues were beginning to really take a stronghold and that people did not feel safe. They did not feel safe not only in their city but also on their streets. And I knew that this as a whole was going to be pulling our, um, our great country apart. That's when I made the decision, I've got to do something
0: okay i like that background i'm going to quick share with our listeners we're going to be playing a few clips so you can see more firsthand of what her organization does but tony brinker founded in 2015 operation blue shield now doing business as one community usa it's a 501c3 is basically designed to create or to help to create unity in communities building bridges of trust between ordinary citizens and law enforcement first responders and they, you know, it, all these great words that last night I started researching this online. It's just wonderful, beautiful thoughts. But, you know, I was emailing Tony late saying, but tell me something specific like what have you been doing? And honestly, my uh, inbox was loaded with specific things this morning. <laughs> so now I'm going to share some of them with you because everyone, I think, wants unity and they don't want to think our country is so divided and they don't want to think that there's no path forward but your organization is trying to really do something specific. I'm gonna hit some of those specifics in a moment, but this whole idea of the the way, the issues in which you can uh, help to create sustainable economic opportunities, better life for people, helping people getting out of prisons, building neighborhoods of opportunity. These are all ways to go something beyond just lamenting the difficulties in America. Um, And so I wanna start with one clip. Um, And this one is, um, I'm gonna start with the very first one, Matt, Uh, the very first one I sent you is a clip related to one thing that Tony Brinker's uh, organization does.
1: In recent months, some have lost faith and trust in those who protect us. Frustration has blurred our vision, but Americans know a thing or two about uniting for the greater good. Stand united with us to facilitate the kinds of positive dialogue that lead to unified solutions. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. We're all in. Join us. This time, it's for all of us you recognize that voice that's no, lee actually, majors
0: oh i did not that's cool yeah okay well i also saw that I had the ribbon you brought the ribbon with you what is it ribbon symbolizes part so, of what you're doing
1: the ribbon actually is a unity ribbon and we wrap um, again, we do we do things on the street, but the first thing you have to do is you have to bring both sides together. You can't create a safe neighborhood that becomes secure, that becomes a thriving neighborhood where people have jobs, health care, and all. You have to bring two people together. The voices have to be heard, and we also have to have some value because my, my outlook on life is very different than yours. It's also very different than someone who was born and raised in an underserved community. So the first thing to do is bring in the unity. Colors mean everything. Swags are good, Get gadgets and gadgets and things like that. But you take a look at the yellow. The yellow in this ribbon represents community. That's me, that's you. The blue on either side represents a first responder that is protecting us. But in the country today, what we have forgotten is that people who are first responders, again, this is law enforcement, sheriffs, mayors, city council people, doctors, nurses, teachers are first responders. And even children who are in schools when there is a disaster become first responders helping their friends they we all need to remember first responders can operate in the blue but they're also citizens citizens at one point in their life become a first responder as well so if people can just realize based on a circumstance and a day in their life they may walk in the same shoes of the man who puts on the uniform to come into their neighborhood to keep it safe love that
0: matt the next clip i want to play this is the irving police department when irving is a community right around here uh irving police department um, black history month celebration little clip i want to play that
1: it's a very diverse community that has embraced all races
0: as part of that recognition of diversity people are at the kroger on beltline road for the irving police department's black history month celebration <laughs> an opportunity for us to come together as a community, as a city, as a police department, and truly celebrate what our connection is with our African-American community. And really, foundationally, that starts with our Shop Talk program. Barbara Shops played a vital role in the cultural and economic development of African-American communities.
1: And building on that role, Irving Police Officer John Plunkett led the way in establishing Shop Talk back in 2016. The program awesome. provides a chance for officers to build relationships and have candid conversations.
0: And the whole goal of this here is to build that unity, you know, build a unity in the community between the police and the uh, African American community.
1: Okay, so tell me what shop talk is? SHOP Talk is a program that focuses, again, in the African-American community. What we do is we are supporting African-American owned businesses. So anytime you can go into a community and help that business, first of all, be safe, so that they have an opportunity to expand, and then offer employment to people who live in the community, you raise the boat for everyone. The only way you can do that, though, is to bring in the side that will help with creating safety. And that is our first responders that you saw in the clip. So if I have an ordinary citizen, maybe it's a business owner working hand in glove with the law enforcement department, you're creating this bond of unity. So, But it's actionable bond. We have events. We actually work with people where we will have, say, a barbershop owner who we become in this Particular program, which again is what we call boots on the ground, he then becomes an ambassador in his community. He gets other people involved. During the height of COVID, our barbershop owners reached out to us and said, Mrs. Brinker, we've got people in our neighborhood who need help. And I said, help. I mean, you have no job, you have no money coming in. And there are people, he said, worse off than we are. And I said, my gosh, please tell me about it. He said, they don't have food. We have friends who are selling their cars so that they can get enough money to buy food to feed their family. And I said, well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to build a bridge of trust. I want you to vet uh, families will do 20 to 50 at a time. I don't want to do 3,000. But in that vetting process, make sure that you are aware that they actually need the food. We'll come in, provide the food, but we're going to do this at the police academy, like in this case in the city of Irving. I want the police chief there i want his officers there i want my team leaders there and i want all the barbers there so as the families came through and we were all masked up and all it gave the police an opportunity to say here we have boxes of food for five that will last for eight days. We want you to take this. If you need anything, Chief Spivey would say, here is my card. If you have any problems at all, please call me. So this bridge of trust was built. Now, how does that help later on? Later on in the height of COVID, and particularly when George Floyd was killed, There was a lot of unrest in the community what did our barbers do they called us and the police department and said we need a meeting now so about 60 of us met met all of the barbers came in they had black lives matter teachers on they all sat in the back of the room and then the chief came in the mayor came in the city manager came in and the chief got up and said the killing first of all should not have happened this does not represent police but i'm going to stay here and everyone in this room and one community we're going to answer all you questions and if we have to stay here for two days we will my city manager is here and my mayor is here and this shop talk program you barbershop owners and beauty salon owners i have told the city you can get rid of anything in my budget do not get rid of this program Now let's talk about what happened. We were there for about two and a half hours. Those barbers then would be walking the streets later on with the police officers and like saying... ambassadors. Yeah, they were ambassadors, but it also tapped down any kind of unrest because they said, these are our friends. We are working with them to build a safer community for you. Now you get on board and come into the Shop Talk program with us. This program has also been endorsed by NAACP locally, who is taking it to state, and we've already presented it to NAAC National. It is a way for barbershop owners in the minority-owned community, particularly the black community, to have a voice, to be asked to the table, when in reality, in many cases, they are not. And it is a way to build trust and create unity. It's connection. It's connection. I must say uh, Matthew there's another clip I sent you um,
0: which is in between was doesn't have a title on it, but it's after the first one but on the subject of barbershops, I worked on a campaign for a black Republican who was running for Congress and we were ta- in his community we're talking about you know wh- where do you go is a community represented by a Democrat uh, long-term Democrat in Congress? We were talking about like where are the community centers where should we go? And one answer from him and many others was the barbershops. Oh, Everybody hangs out in the
1: bar and they talk all day. They just hang out there. So um, many of my team members, particularly one of them who was a former police officer and worked homicide for about 12 years, African-American guy, he said, the barbershop is where I went with my dad every, every single week. That's where I learned to be a black man. He said, that is also where I learned the good, the bad, and ugly about what was going on in the United States. So for us, of course, we call ourselves the Switzerland of nonprofits because we represent the community as well as our first responders. So integrating everyone together in programs that also reach into the community to help others, creates ambassadors, it creates mentorships, We also identify, uh, the barbers do, a young person who then is mentored by, guess what, a barbershop owner, a police officer, one of my team members. They help that person apply to an accredited trade school or a university. We pay the scholarship there rather than giving it. Sometimes you can't give a lot of money into a community. In some families, we would rather it go to the school. So the barbershop owners then become the heroes in their community.
0: Well, you know what else? All that you're doing, it humanizes the other. It humanizes if you're a citizen, and you've just always been taught to distrust the police. It humanizes them. You're connecting. Okay. so Matt, the wonderful. In between the two we play, there's another little clip. If you could play that one, please. This season, I've been taking you behind the badge and introducing you to extraordinary police officers and departments all over the country. Recently, we were invited to a special town hall meeting in Dallas, Texas, where city leaders and members of local and state law enforcement gathered, along with hundreds of members of the community, to discuss how to create trust and unity in this city.
1: We are at Concord Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. We're bringing two worlds together our first responders, and our citizens. And we're going to discuss the hard issues that many times people turn and run from. It doesn't mean that one officer makes everyone bad, no more than it makes one black young man that committed a crime make all of us bad.
0: Okay, just the physical presence in that room, the physical presence of the officers and and your team and community members just talking to each other. I mean,
1: it's it is. Uh, I mean, it's odd. it's profound because it's connecting humanity. It is profound, but we can't just talk. I was very grateful to Dr. Phil to send his crew there um, because it gave us a national exposure. We've oh, yeah. been we've been asked to take our programs to uh, about 12 cities around the United States. The issues that are happening in Dallas, Texas are the same ones in Chicago and Baltimore and Atlanta. But again, it all boils down to safety. We can talk to the cows come home, and that's really where we need to move away from. Talking is good, it's actionable programs that have a positive effect on a community, not so much Marching, I understand Black Lives Matter and all. We, um, I'm very grateful to them for raising the consciousness of America that Black Lives Matter. But we have to make sure that not all, all Black Lives Matter, but everyone in a community has a seat at the table to not only be heard, but also to get involved. That Shop Talk program, we also take into what we call Una Comunidad, which is the exact same program, but in the Hispanic community. The Hispanic community many times feels that they are the forgotten ones. And so my team members obviously are bilingual. They work in the barber and beauty salon. So remember, it's not just male oriented, but in community centers and churches. So in each one of our 12 programs actually relate to each other. Our reentry program, which focuses on people coming out of prisons, Half veterans and half general prison population many times find their first employment where in our barber and beauty salons. So we're going to get to that. And actually, quickly for our listeners, I meant to do this at the beginning, but the, the, uh,
0: and I agree what Tony's point was a moment ago about just talking. I mean, talking is a good first step, especially if you have no communication and you just have perceptions about the other side and, and don't have any basis of communicating. But just a quick litany of the areas in which they, this, her programs work. Uh, program addressed needs education, health, reentry, second chance opportunities. We're going to play a clip in a moment about that. Uh, military and civilian civic engagement, safety and citizen advocacy, evidence-based programs, engaging citizens with law enforcement, first responders. This is just, a, it is just, I mean, it is so, I don't know what, It's so fundamentally American and human and and healthy and normal to build a more connected community. But I want to the next thing I sent to Matt, um, this program, I I don't know why this about melts my heart, but this is a program among Tony Brinker's many programs, which is trying to help people reenter society, either leaving the military or prison. We have a quick clip on that and then we'll talk about that. The program is going to help prepare ex-offenders, both military and civilian, for successful and sustainable re-entry into family, community, and the workplace. Self-improvement and mental health resources are available, along with housing and job assistance. We've already seen in some of our programs our recidivism rate drop from 70% down to 22. Well, we want to drive that down even into single digits. And our message is, is to the community, is that these people will be our neighbors again, and we want to set the table for success as best we can, so they don't come back here. Pathways to Hope is in partnership with nonprofit One Community USA, and that is Tony Brinker's uh, organization. So I would love if you talk a little bit more about that. Like, like you mentioned, the people get up, many of them find jobs, and the. Barbershops and beauty shops that work with you. And
1: uh, so how's that whole progress process going? Well, the whole thing is actually going quite well um, um, hats off to uh, Sheriff Weber because um, He was it took him about 20 minutes when I came over to him and I said I have this great idea I'd like to see if you would uh, jump on board so not only is his department, the Sheriff's Department on board, but the, the uh, Fort Worth Police Department is on board as well. What makes this reentry very different than others is a multitude of things, but one of them is that there's strong mentorship from the 40-hour prerequisite program that allows you to go into an 18-month long program, but your mentors many times are first responders. So what about the, the officer that may be arrested dad? And dad has been in jail now for five or six years and he is coming back out into society. He is he's missed a lot of life. Okay. Uh, There's a lot of things that have happened. I mean, we've got people who are coming back and they've never even had a a cell phone. When they went in, there was no cell phones. They're coming out and there's now cell phones. So how do you integrate back into society? you've got to have the ability not only to have transportation and housing and a place to live, but you've got to have life skills. And if you have a mentor that walks with you that whole time, what if it were the guy that arrested you? who said, I want to mentor you. So now mom and the kids see the last person that they saw that took their father away is the guy who's now saying, I'm gonna help your dad get reintegrated back into society. That changes the dynamics in a family because in many of the prisons that I've gone to, we've said, well, um, you've been here for how long? Well, I've been here for three or four years now. Where's your father? Well, my father's over in the SS unit over here. My grandfather's oh. over here. So people that don't have some of the great opportunities that maybe you do or I do, they live in a world sometimes that is absolutely just beating them down beyond belief. We're there to help them extend a hand and help them up. If I can do that, and also have quantitative and qualitative data that shows that we are not only changing attitudes, like in Shop Talk, decreasing crime in that neighborhood when everyone comes together and police officers are going in and out of the shop, doing roll call or playing chess with the kids or reading with them. All of those things have a tendency to drive crime down back to reentry, We're also working on the post-adjudication side, which would mean that someone's coming back in and they're on paper coming back out of, uh, to the real world. They're on parole. We now got um, a couple of judges who are saying, we like this program a lot. And if this person does complete this program, we will work with them on their parole. So you give them the life skills to come back into society be an ambassador, work with the first responder. Then you learn that safe neighborhoods only happen when citizens, first responders come together. There are no other groups that have to come together, those two. You cannot police a neighborhood safe without the help of the community, and the community cannot make itself without the help of first responders.
0: Tony Brinker, this is an amazing thing. Again, your program it began, it was called Operation Blue Shield, now doing business as One Community USA. Last question for today. So you are hoping to build this in Dallas even more and then spread it around the country. Is that right? Tell us your vision there.
1: That's correct. I've got requests seriously to go to probably about 12 other cities. I've had governors who have called. So keep in mind that two and a half years I spent talking to governors, AGs. I spoke to the Republican actually, uh, attorney generals and said, you need to understand The power of law is integrated into these programs, but our goal is to create economic development, which is what everyone says. On the streets of Baltimore, people are angry that I've talked to and said, if we only had a job, if we only had better education, well, what we have to do is start from within that community, bring people together by getting them involved, then that change is sustainable are not but all groups change. Law enforcement is changing. They know they need to change. So does the community. There's bad on both sides, but there's a lot of good on both sides. Bring the two together, you got a win-win for everyone. I
0: love that Tony Brinker so much for thank you so much for coming in today. This was just great. Thank you. My pleasure. I tell you listeners, if you were watching the show yesterday, we had in studio Ron Hall, who created the film, wrote the book, and then it became a film, same kind of different as me. And one point he was making really ties in, well, what we were just talking about with Tony Brinker. You know, when you think, when people say they're conservatives and they want law and order, and they mean it, we do want law and order, we want civil society, we want safe society, When everyone from, uh, in every neighborhood in America, the vast majority of people want safe streets, they don't want crime but there can be a sense because you're committed to law and order that you're not really that concerned about actually helping people who get caught up in the legal and the justice system, which you were just hearing uh, Tony Brinker talk about was the idea that her program in helping in many different ways, but one is that a real commitment to America to a robust free society includes trying to help people who did lose their way who did stumble and get off track and end up in jail for whatever the reasons were that that isn't a law and order mentality it doesn't say well then you f- good you know good thing we got them locked up we're done but the, longer, the bigger picture, the more healing picture for America is this notion of including these people in our forward thinking, our planning, and it's the same kind of idea that Ron Hall came up with when he first began being involved with his wife, Guyman involved helping in a homeless shelter, and he was not at all interested, and he became eventually best friends with a man uh, who was had actually appeared to his wife in a dream. This is what his story, his true life story, tells. His wife said she dreamed about this this homeless guy who was gonna really help them. And then she said, she actually saw him, she said, that's the guy from my dream. He ended up being someone who uh, was pretty rough character, pretty violent, pretty uh, dangerous actually when they first met him. Ended up being uh, really his best friend in life, co-wrote the book with him. This man's name is Denver, uh, who had been homeless. And it's the same kind of thing as people who end up in jail. People don't end up homeless on the streets for the most part um, by happenstance, things happen in their lives. They, as he said yesterday, they don't usually become homeless because they were not of money, they were not of friends and family and support. They have, they're, they're just lost, and their families rejected them for whatever reason. So these, I love these beautiful ideas. I love the idea of American people filled with goodness, filled with care and compassion for other Americans, and they're trying to find ways to help even those who, in the case of Ron Hall's issue, what involved the uh, gentleman who, and, and actually not just that one gentleman, but he's now become active around the country, helping cities understand how to create actually effective homeless policies that don't just clean the streets up, but actually help these people restore their lives. The same thing you were hearing with Tony Brinker a moment ago, what her programs are doing, really helping a, a more beautiful, better, more united America. I just love these kind of stories. Speaking of Ron Hall, I have to tell you something funny. So he was on the show yesterday. So we finished the interview and then in the evening there was an event and I was the moderator at a political event. There was a candidate there, and someone from the police department and, and Ron Hall. And basically, and I was a moderator, so I'm just asking him questions. Well, right before we started this uh, event, uh, Ron Hall happened to mention, yeah, I, I have a new film coming out tomorrow, referring to today. And I said, well, you were just on my show for like half an hour. You didn't even mention this. He said, well, you were busy talking about other things. So I want to give him a good pitch. There was a film that he, um, his first book became a film, same kind of different as me. And uh, just a, a fabulous home run success uh, video. Uh, and he now has another one called Chicago, America's Hidden War. And I want to ask Matt DeWarn play a short clip of that. We need some vigilante crews. I'm going to tell you what we need. So these little old jokers running around who shoot us, you got to take them all, uh, rip applies, cut their shooting fingers off. Chicago is back in the national news with 74 people shot and 12
1: fatalities this is now one of the bloodiest weekends on record citizens of the city can't let their kids walk on the street be on the front stairs even it's a little boy that i know he's three, four, five years old he's been shot twice there's so many
0: bullet holes and she was bleeding from everywhere violence is the manifestation of our public policy feelings across the board and this this is sad man 11 year old is shot boom,
1: boom, 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 boom. in a 17 year old a shot in the face and death. I'm
0: thinking to myself, I could be the next one to get shot, dead, anywhere, right here, gone, and engled,
1: forever. It is a war. And that Taliban war is even worse. Even worse, man.
0: That film is out today. I believe it's playing in Dallas. Uh, I literally found out last night at this political function that is out today. But this is a guy who, Ron Hall, very, very successful, high-end art dealer, could be spending his life, you know, floating around on the yacht or something. And all he's doing is dedicating his life to try to help homeless people, his first mission. And then now he's exposing the uh, real victims of horrific violence in Chicago. Many of us read numbers, we read statistics, we say, oh, that's just terrible. But he went and did a documentary and is trying to help American people understand the failures of policy that got us to where we are in Chicago. And as he always is, he has a message message of hope, which uh, I hope all of us can embrace because you never want to give up on any aspect of America and you don't want to give up on America. One last thing today, um, I want to talk about uh, my uh, show tomorrow. So those of you who, and I, I called this segment, Arizona uh, Dr. Senator GOP Chair Kelly Ward joins me tomorrow, and, and, and I, my subtitle is, Time for You to Join America Can We Talk Also. So America Can We Talk is Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. I've been doing this for many years. and but just recently, well, I've been doing, the show is on Salem Radio for five years. It was once a week. I moved to this lovely studio uh, a little over two years ago, two and a half years ago. And it became four days a week and became video, which is so much more fun because I feel like I get to know my guests. I get to know my listeners better. And a lot of you email me regularly, which is very, very nice. But what I tried to do, because this this studio, shockingly, they don't let me use it for free. It actually is expensive. And so I started a membership program. And I love, first of all, I wanna thank everyone who's donated to the show. If you have donated to the show, you go to our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org, and hit donate. I thank every single donor. We start a subscription, a membership. And the basic thing in the membership is this, for a mere $5 a month or $50 a year, which is hardly anything, for that amount, you become a member of American We Talk. And what that is for is for our Thursday shows now are for members only. It's an in-studio, it's not this studio, it's a studio right next door in this lovely building, but it's a studio that has a studio audience we can see we believe, up to 20. We're gonna to try tomorrow. Tomorrow we are way oversold on the people coming, but it's an in-studio show for members only. You can access it on our website only. It is not out on any other social media, only at our website, org. And tomorrow's guest is Dr. Kelly Ward. The reason I think you might, if you aren't a member yet, I strongly urge you to think about joining by tomorrow. She is at the front and center, the epicenter of the battle in America right now regarding the 2020 elections. She is the GOP chair of the Arizona, the Arizona Republican Party, and she has been front and center calling out the leaders of Maricopa County, which is the largest county by population in Arizona and the place where Phoenix is and the, uh, epicenter or the center of great great concern about the accuracy and legitimacy of the 2020 elections so the maricopa county board of supervisors that oversees elections there has been the recipient uh, of a subpoena from the state senate saying essentially we're going to examine the voting machines you used we're going to examine the paper ballots we're going to examine the routers we're going to look at what happened in maricopa county because there were to say the least astonishing almost impossible anomalies And so this is underway right now, and there is a massive effort by the left in this country to stop this audit. I mean, to the point, as I mentioned the other day, um, a couple days ago, talking about this on the show, the Democrat Party sent 100 lawyers to nitpick over every little thing involved in this audit. And you now have the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors as one entity that's trying to fight against the Senate trying to fight against the audit and the Senate's orders to them, and you had literally that the, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors actually refused, they have no legal right to do it, but actually refused a subpoena sent by the state Senate. They had to go to federal court over and over and over, and now we're at the place where there is an argument by the Maricopa uh, Copa, um, Board of, ha, Maricopa County Board of Supervisors that they don't, they can't turn over the routers. The routers you see are very dangerous. Turn over the routers, and all of a sudden, at the uh, information related to Arizona's voters will be at risk. This is complete, to use a polite word, hogwash. It is completely untrue. But it's one of those explanations when they put it out in the media. Right away, you get some people saying, "Well, gee whiz, you know, we're supposed to have voter privacy. They can't be putting that." There's nothing to this. So Kelly Ward has been front and center in insisting that an accurate and legitimate vote count occur in Maricopa County. She's been active in litigating on these issues. She's been active in supporting the efforts of people trying to examine the 2020 elections. And so you, if you haven't joined yet, I'm going to quickly go over in our slides. But Matt will have the slides up in one second to remind you how easy it is to join America Can We Talk. Very easy to do. I really hope you'll consider doing it tomorrow is worth the whole $50 a year. And by the way, I kept the price low for the reason that I would love to have more people listening than a very expensive rate that many people could not pay. So I'd rather have it, keep it low and hopefully have a lot of members. But I wanna mention one more point before we get to the uh, slides to tell you how to join i know there are some people who think that somehow after all the election fraud is exposed and there is election fraud uh, other evidence in addition of election fraud coming out more information all the time you know in i'm a lawyer by background i can tell you that when you actually enter a contract and there is fraud the remedy that courts impose if there's fraud and in the inducement fraud in the creation of the contract is you literally undo the contract You literally get to go back and say, okay, didn't happen. And so there are some people saying, well, you know, this should mean that the Biden team should be out and Donald Trump should be in. You have people saying these things. I cannot envision a legal path forward where that could occur. And I'm certainly not advocating violence. I cannot imagine a legal path moving forward. But that is what the, the law should do in this case. If it is proven, as many people think it can be, that Donald Trump actually won the election in November 2020, we are living under a regime that did not win. And this is why I want to tell you my reason for wanting to push people for legitimate examination of the election outcome results, of the audit mach- auditing the machines, auditing the routers actually examining what what came out, And, and my reason is this. If the Biden team did not win, and I do not believe they did win, if the Biden team did not win, we are living under a government we did not choose. We are therefore going to be inflicted with policies the American people did not choose. The reason to oppose the reason to insist on having a discussion about election fraud and to get to the bottom of what happened in november 2020 is because we the american people live in a democratic republic where we actually get to choose our government if we didn't have that in place if that was that was violated in the november 2020 elections this should give impetus and strength to the grassroots in this country to the state legislators to the governors, to the people across this country, to say to Washington, we're not going to comply with the policies you're trying to put forth because you didn't really win and you're not legitimate. This applies specifically to, for example, the bill now pending in the United States Senate, which has to do with the takeover of the elections by the federal government. H.R. 1 was a House bill, it passed the House, it's now at the Senate, it's at a crucial point in the Senate, H.R. 1 S1 1, is a bill that would have the federal government take over all elections in America, from dog catcher to president. It not only permits, it mandates, mandates. Tactics and techniques leftists have used in California for decades, which allow them to commit vote fraud. It mandates vote fraud, and I am not exaggerating or exaggerating, I do not engage in hyperbole. It mandates techniques everyone knows constitute vote fraud. It eliminates voter ID, the most inane idea ever that we even have to talk about whether voter ID is a legitimate requirement. It gets rid of voter ID it allows ballot harvesting it mandates state permit ballot harvesting we've had several shows talking about the evils of hr1 and s1 but the reason to get to the bottom of what happened in november 2020 is because this should give strength to the republican legislatures around this country and frankly if they had ethics to them the democrat legislatures and saying we're not going to comply with this with these things that are coming out of washington dc Policies, laws, regulations that are inconsistent with the will of the American people. This applies to H.R. 1. This applies to the impending Green New Deal. The idea that we're going to be told in the Green New Deal. if you, I, We're going to do a show and I will break down for you what's being discussed. But the Green New Deal is going to be the end of the idea that you get to choose where you live. It, it is. They're going to do affirmatively furthering fair housing. That inane tyrannical policy under the Obama administration is in the Green New Deal. So you're not gonna have the freedom to live where you want. You're not gonna have the freedom to drive where you want and what you want. It is a complete, as I had many experts point out in this show, a complete socialist takeover of America. That's the Green New Deal. And it's one thing if America voted for it, that's one legal battle to have, that's one political battle to have, but if America didn't choose that, and they did not, It is a basis for the American people to say, we're not doing a Green New Deal. There are dozens of other policies at the federal level that should be opposed by the people of this country, by the grassroots and the legislators and the governors, because America didn't choose this. America did not choose what is coming out of Washington. They did not choose what this leftist administration is trying to inflict on America. That's the reason to get to the bottom of election fraud so that more and more people are aware and comfortable enough to say out loud maybe we can't undo it because we're in the situation we're in we're most certainly going to recognize the american people voted for the continuation of the trump agenda whether you love trump hate trump the trump agenda was a pro-america pro-freedom pro-sovereignty, pro-liberty, pro-strong country, pro-free market, not socialist agenda. And the American people overwhelmingly chose that in November, 2020. And that's the reason to not let the Liz Cheney's of the world, other people of the world saying, well, that's all, we gotta move on, let's be grown-ups." You know, maybe they stole it, but it's over, it's over. In in no other context in law in America do we say, well, I guess, you know, hey, the bank robber won, he got the money, so now he gets to keep it. We undo the wrongdoing. If we can't undo the wrongdoing, we do. We don't just say, well, the bank robber won and he has the money, so I guess he gets to keep it. We attempt to pursue to recover what was stolen and, and return it to the rightful owner. It happens in legal context, in civil and criminal law all the time. There's no reason in this context we should ignore it. I think people try to virtue signal and they're they're kind of, they're really the mature ones, they're really the ones who, oh, we're really being very big statesmen here. I'm sorry, stealing an election is the biggest theft that's ever occurred in American history. If that's what happened, the American people need to, at the very least, stand up and say, we're not going to go along with the theft of this election, and we're not going to go along with the radical, tyrannical, leftist policies spewing out of Washington because we didn't choose it. I close the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show this, this morning, this morning, seems like hours ago, it's just an hour ago, but Liz Cheney in America's Civil War, uh, U.S. Rep. Liz Cheney, I want to remind you this again, she got it, she objected to the impeachment the first time of Trump. She got it when the Democrats first tried to impeach Trump over the false claim of abuse of power and obstruction of Congress in February 2020. She called out the Democrats for abusing the impeachment power, but she voted to impeach Trump over the January 6th violence at the Capitol, not recognizing or else not caring that it was exactly the same motive Democrats had in this 2021 impeachment as they had in 2020. The Democrats' agenda was not that they thought Trump committed an impeachable offense. They simply wanted to destroy Trump and his agenda. Neither impeachment was about Trump's personality or his conduct. Both were motivated by the leftist hatred of the America First message Donald Trump spread and that the American people love. America First is intolerable to today's Democrat party. America's internal battle is an ideological civil war. It's about America the free. And as Liz Cheney out as of today, out of her leadership position, Congresswoman Liz Cheney was was removed as the House Republican Conference Chair. Not because she criticized and disagreed with Trump on military or any other policy, because lots of other people did, lots of other Republicans did. Not because she voted to impeach President Trump. Other Republicans did also, nine other ones. And not because she's a woman and being treated differently. She's in leadership. They're not going after the other people who Republican who voted to impeach Trump because they're not in leadership. She was removed because she continues to loudly and publicly reject 2020 election fraud and says that discussing election fraud, will incite violence. She, and this is my question, purposely leaves the impression that she is speaking on behalf of the GOP. She is aiding and abetting the Democrat mission to crush election integrity investigations. She does not recognize the battle we're in for America. It is not about Trump. It's about the future of fair elections and of America. And, I want to do very quick slides at the end, Matt. I gave you the two last slides, how to join America Can We Talk. We'll go through them really fast because I get emails saying, I don't know how to join. It's so simple. Take a screenshot of this. Very, very simple. Go to our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. Choose members in the tabs at the top. Choose join now, follow the instructions, choose $5 a month or $50 a year. Choose your username, which should be your email and your password, and please write your password down. Write it in ink somewhere. And then uh, membership does, gives you on, live access online or in person to our weekly members-only shows every Thursday online at America Can We Talk uh, is the only way to watch the Thursday shows, offers your opportunity to be part of the Q&A with me or our stellar show guests on Thursdays, allows you access, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> past members-only Thursday shows in the members section of our website, defrays expenses of keeping the show on air, allows us to be free of commercial interruptions. P- helps protect conservative voices and views from the growing censorship in America. And once you are a member, you can submit questions for our shows, which have turned out to be the most fun thing. You can submit questions ahead of time for our guests tomorrow for Kelly Ward. You can submit questions. You can email them to me at America at gmail.com. Use a subject line questions for Thursday shows about blah, blah. And then join our, and then you can also submit questions by joining our America Can We Talk family texting group and text in a question. In the two line of your text, enter 53445 and the body of the text type the word America. You hit send and you will get a welcome to our America Can We Talk family reply from me or in the texting group. After that to text in a question, you can text in and people do texting questions that are relevant to the topic and the guests, by the way, relevant to the topic and guests, Text in a question, enter again to text into a question, put 53445 four four in the two line and the text message, you must type the word America first, just put America, no period, no comma, no punctuation, and then your question, so it would look like this. America, do you think we should finish the border wall? Whatever your question is, you can submit questions ahead of time or live during the show while watching at americacanretalk.org. And that my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America, because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can you hear America, can we talk truth about America? Can you-